yourself the bid ask spread. So you two gentlemen have a little experience with the bid ask spread. And so you've done a little something with this here, uh, you know, spread, this here bid and offer, you know, this here, whatever you guys used to call it on the floor. And so I'm excited about this morning's piece because I love when I get to bring some content to the network on a Monday morning with you two, and we get to literally go from theory to practice because this is what you guys did for so many years. And so we're going to do a little, you know, a little venture into the academic literature a bit and kind of, you know, break down this bid ask spread and the components of the bid ask spread. And I'm going to be curious to hear what you guys think in terms of some of the greatest minds in the world of academic finance. Are you guys ready? I'm, I'm ready for a bid ask. I can do this. Let's do it. All right, let's go. All right, John. Uh, intro slide. There you go. I think everyone inside of Tasty Nation can can agree that liquidity is priority number one with our positions. And a big driver of liquidity, if not the biggest driver, is the bid-ask spread itself. Well, according to the literature, the bid-ask spread can be effectively broken down into two primary components. Two primary components. Now, before we get into what those components are, which is the next couple of slides, I'm curious, from all of y'all's time on the floor... And even now your time off the floor, if you want to, you know, kind of dip into that experience too. If you had to break down the spread in terms of, you know, what impacts the spread, the components of the spread, what, how would you do that? What do you think they would be if you had to break it down into two components? Uh, I, I have no idea where you're going with this, but obviously the liquidity of the underlying. Okay. To make a market, you're saying, sure. Yeah, if you're a, talking about the bid-ask spread can effectively be broken down into two primary components. The 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 um, liquidity of the underlying and, um, and... Volatility. And the amount of activity. Okay, so liquidity activity. Okay, let me let me change the question ever so slightly. Okay. What about the, what about the, the I, I I obviously completely agree with you. What about changes to the bid ask spread? So so changes to the bid ask spread, which is you know effectively controlled by the market maker counterparty liquidity provider. This is what y'all did. This was your career for however many years you yeah, did it for. Yeah. So what, what do you think the yeah? This is my new question. What do you think are the drivers of the changes to the bid ask spread? Um, volatility, or order flow, and ah, uh, so, okay. so hold on, order flow, which is there's a lot of different things, but I would say order flow and um, order flow and uh, well, order flow is, is demand, so I think it's yeah. the same thing. Um, I don't know what else. I don't know where you're going with this. I'm not sure. No, that's fine. No, this is good. This is good, Tony. Okay, I mean, I, I would you agree with order flow? I mean, yeah, of, of course. I mean, and what Tom's trying to say is how aggressive you make your bid and your offer. But I think we're looking at, I think you're going to look at it from an academic point of view and not a practical market maker's point of view. I think you might be surprised because you guys might hear a little something about order flow okay, in the next couple of seconds here. But, but. When you say order flow, can you guys elaborate on that a bit? Because, I mean, people that might be just tuning in that are just starting trading, like they've maybe heard that word before. But what do you mean by order flow? And not only that, but how does order flow impact how you change your bid-ask spread differential? Um, order flow is um, – so it's – so Every order is a buy order. With calls or puts, it doesn't really matter. You know, you're going to raise your offer on anything. Order flow is just the it, – it's – you know, when, when we think about this business, it, it order flow by definition is just the totality of what money is doing. 
It's just, it's what money is doing to that particular underlying. So if the stock's going up, money is buying it. If the stock's going down, there's money, more money coming in on the sell side. And so all that is done through a term we use, which is a catch-all called, called order flow. Mm -hmm. I agree. No, I agree. Okay, so when the orders were coming in, in terms of the buys versus sells, I mean, Tony, you just said something interesting in that everything was a buy, you raise your offer. Yeah. So, so elaborate on that a little bit. I mean, there has to be a scenario where you would drop your bid, though. No? Um, if I had more of an inventory of options and I needed to sell something closer to fair value, I mean, I needed to sell something and I wanted to sell it obviously above fair value, but I would be more aggressive closer to fair value uh, just to get out of some of my inventory or to create a spread, get rid of some of my directional risk, lock in some edge on another trade that I had done, that kind of thing. Okay, absolutely. So so balancing your own inventory was a big part of this. It was a big part of the spread. Okay, excellent. This is great. Excellent. John, hit us on the next slide. Man, it's almost like these guys in academic finance know what they're talking about. So Gloucester and well, Harris. Watched, in, well, they watched real traders do it. Or they watched real traders do it. Well, I mean, let's think about this. Gloucester and Harris, they wrote this paper in 1986. In 1986, Tom, you were going on your fourth decade in the pits. So you had a little bit on them at this point. So I got to give it to you when it comes to that. But consider the following. I, I was I in my fourth year. <laughs> fourth decade. I mean, you were just, you were slaying a gold straddles. Like, I'm going to have these kids slaying a gold straddles on Friday. But in 1986, I mean, you invented the gold straddle. Right, so consider the following model. 1986, 1986 was one of my best years ever. Yeah, of course, right before the crash. Consider the following model for an observed price change. Okay, now I remember having to read this paper for my PhD doctoral studies. We had to do this in like my second year of my coursework, and it's an absolute beast. So I'm not going to do these authors any justice in terms of all the different things they developed, but I just want to take one thing out that I think was very, very relevant and pertinent to our discussion this morning. So you've got a few different variables that are controlling the observed price change in a given stock or a given index or instrument or whatever. So the first variable is Q. And this is going to be the unobserved order indicator, you know, buy versus sell. Obviously, when you guys were on the floor and you're making markets, right, order comes in, you know whether it's a buy or a sell, correct? Yeah, sure. Of no, course. You no, you don't know originally. No, you well, don't you know. you don't know until it, once it's, once it's, once it's disseminated, once it hits the market, you know. Once somebody gave a good market, like the bad, and they go, okay, well, we're no, no, I'm talking about even today, even today, once the order gets to the exchange, you know what's going on. Well, elaborate. You, you still don't know whether it was a buyer or a sell. You don't. Well, you don't know whether it was buyer initiated or seller initiated. You have to. You have to estimate. At least you. We've had to do this in the literature for however many decades. Clear. No, you guys were on the floor, so you you saw the buyers and sellers coming in. No, no, no. I, I'm not. I'm unclear of what you're saying. When you say. You don't know what you don't know what the person's doing with that buying or selling, or you don't know what the order is. So you don't. Well, of course you know whether it's you know plus you know 100 shares or or down 100 shares. But when you're looking at you know different quotes and different trades that hit the tape, you know a lot of times you don't know whether it was buyer initiated or seller yeah, initiated. Yeah, sure, I agree with that. You don't that's know. That's 100 okay. correct. Yes. Yeah, absolutely, and that's the point I'm trying to make. So yeah. when we're looking at these data sets. This first variable that's in here, I mean, I had to do this as part of my doctoral research. You have to figure out ways to kind of estimate whether or not it was buyer initiated or seller initiated. And so one of the ways we used to do that was we would reference back to the prevailing mid price of the quote at the time. 
And if the order was filled above the mid price, it was likely buyer initiated. If it was filled below the mid price, it was likely seller initiated. Of course, there's going to be some errors in there, but it was pretty it was pretty reliable in terms of the, the academic literature standards. So you've got that. That's obviously going to influence the price chains of a given stock. And you've also got E, which is your new information, right? New information hits the tape. You know, with you know a numbers released or you know whatever. I mean, that can obviously be a catch-all term. But the main two components I want to look at right now are C, your transitory spread component, and Tony, this is actually what you were describing a couple of seconds ago in terms of inventory rebalancing, locking in edge, things of that nature. And then Z, Tom, I know you're going to love this one, the adverse selection spread component. So John, hit us on the next slide. And let's explain. Wait, wait. Why don't we have see. Tom explain that to us before we go to the next slide? So, so you sure. Yeah. Okay. Go back, John. Go back. So, so no, this is good. So transitory spread component. That's effectively what Tony said a couple of seconds ago. We'll come back to that in a second. But, but Tom, when you hear adverse selection spread component, this is what you did, right, for seven, eight decades. What does that mean to you? I have no idea. <laughs> Adverse selection spread component. I don't know. So I'm gonna give you I'm gonna give you a little hint. Okay. Did you ever did you ever feel when you were on the market, when you were on the floor, did you ever feel like you were at an informational disadvantage Never. at any point in time? No. Okay. Tony? No. No, so you oh, never Goldman, felt. Unless Goldman Sachs came in and and sold everything or bought everything. In, no, in no, we never trip. felt like we were at an informational and I disadvantage. At a disadvantage. No, because if you don't care what you don't really care. It's no, we were not at a disadvantage. I never considered it. Okay, interesting. Okay, all right. So that that is what an adverse. How you be, a little bit? You got to ask it a little bit different question. So, have you ever have you ever been picked off in your life as a market? Of course, maker? but how could we? That, uh, exactly. That, that's no, yes. no, hold I on, remember Jim. it. I really, no, no, it's no, a, rose, I just, a rose by I'm, any other name smells. No, good. here you go, Tom. I'm going to give you the floor in a second, but I just I have to give props to Dr. Wood. A quick Dr. No. Wood reference because he you know, he you have to give props to Dr. Wood. You don't know what I'm going to say. No, right? Dr. Wood taught me about being picked off. I had no idea what well, I was 25 yeah, but, years but old. You got You got to remember. He was talking about getting picked off. Oh, this is great. No, this but is here's great. why go it's ahead. not. Here's why it's not fair. Because. If we thought we were in an adverse um, position, we wouldn't do it. We, we wouldn't would, be there. We wouldn't have been successful. Right. So you can never think that. Like you just occasionally you're going to get picked off. Big deal. But for the most part, we wouldn't have survived. I don't, yeah, I don't, I don't. I don't disagree with that. I don't disagree with that at all. Yeah. So so. Okay, but hold on. I want to go now. I want to press this a bit more. So, did you ever? Obviously, you never felt like you were, you know, uh, in, at an informational disadvantage. But you have been picked off. You have felt like you could be picked off. Things like that. Do you feel like there were certain times, times of the day, times in the market, you know, special times throughout the you know uh, economic calendar when the likelihood of your being picked off was greater than at other times? No. Never. No, why would I ever think that? I wouldn't go to work that day. Okay, man. Well, there you go, right? I mean, if, I, mean, I, if, you, if I felt that, I never would have gone into it. And most, nobody would have been happier than the other people in the pit. It, that's the most <laughs> ridiculous thing I've ever heard. No, of course not. Why would okay. anybody think? Just think about that. So you think you think Citadel's not going to make Mark's day because they're worried about you know us being right? 
Oh no! I think they're absolutely going to make markets. Absolutely, okay. and I think they're going to show up to work. But they I, have a they have a they have a defense mechanism available to them that is going to arguably level the playing field that we're going to talk about here in about five seconds. Okay, go ahead, show me. Which I which I guarantee this is what you did because we see it happen in the market every single day. There, Johnny. Every single day we see this happen in the market. So hit us on the next slide, there, John. So that Johnny here can get brought up to speed. The two components, the transitory component, is largely a function of market maker inventory, which is what Tony was talking about, which I totally agree with. And I obviously never traded it on the pitch. I was never on the floor, but it just makes sense to me looking, you know, as an outside observer. And then of course working with both of you for so many years now. And so when I think about, you know, the risk compensation I'm making the markets, I'm the liquidity provider, I've got to be compensated. I'm gonna change my spread to basically, you know, I've got to make a living. Right. I've got to make whether that's you know hammering down an edge in a given position or a parish trade or whatever, or it's balancing my own inventory. Like Tony was saying, hey, if I've got to get rid of some things or I've got to you know pick up some things to balance things out, I'm going to change my spread, raise my offer, drop my bid, you know, do whatever I need to do. But the adverse selection component. So when market makers might feel like now this is not a real market maker, Tom. Of course, this is a hypothetical market maker. When market makers feel like they could be at an informational disadvantage and there's a greater amount of adverse selection in the pool of traders, there's some informed traders in that pool that might be trading against you, picking you off, doing all these different things. What are market makers going to do? They're going to widen their spreads. And we see this happen all the time. We see it happen before a Fed number. We see it happen before you know a CPI release. We see it happen at various times throughout the day. This happens, it's on repeat. It's, it's a never ending cycle. It happens all the time. And this is how market makers protect themselves against the possibility of being picked off. Tell me how that cannot possibly be correct. Um, I mean, you widened out your spreads, did you not? Did you not widen out your spreads during periods of, I mean, you can call it heightened volatility yeah, if sure. that's what you want, if that, sure. if that makes you feel better. Sure. But now we've got, yeah. Okay. Sure. There you go. I'm just going to stop right there because Tom agreed with me. Tony, what do you think? <laughs> I think you've stopped at the right point. <laughs> I mean, you know, it's like, hey, when you've got when you've hit your profit target for the day, there's no reason to keep trading. Like, it's, it's over. It's done. It's, that's right. not true. We we owe. I mean, I always kept trading. I never gave myself any type of uh, limit to how much I could make on that day. Of course, of course, or lose. To be honest, quite frankly, yeah, yeah. I mean, if I was so, down money, I was actually more aggressive. So, in terms of in terms of the academic, now this is not the only paper that breaks down the components of the bid ask spread, but I don't know, gentlemen. Like when we think about the transitory component, you know, balancing inventory, basically all the things that Tony said. That, that's what you know, Gloston and Harris talk about in 1986. Because but then we I'm also a real have real market maker. Say it again. Because I'm a real market maker. Tom didn't have anything to add because he's you know he's a wannabe but you've already he's just i mean tom is just with right just with right he's with that's your correct <laughs> he's with i remember just yeah. with he stands next to bat and he's with it's correct it's correct. basically correct. what happens on tasty live every morning from 7 to 10 30. he's that's with. correct that's correct so far you're good <laughs> with all due respect go. to him okay if i had to listen to him for 20 more years of my life I'd have killed myself by now. So that's the reason I didn't stand next to him. It had nothing to do with his markets. I couldn't listen to him anymore. You, you whatever, whatever got him whatever got him out of the pit, 
was good by us. You do know that the seven or eight people that used to stand near him, they're all institutionalized now. <laughs> I swear, every single person. They're either they're either addicted to drugs or are alcohol or, or they're institutionalized. It's just that's true. That's fair. None of them are normal. That's fair. That's fair. That's fair. <laughs> oh, that's great. That's great. No, but I mean, this cost in a Harris paper. I really feel like the authors did a really, really nice job of connecting theory to practice here. I really do. And of course, you know, the average lucky thing is like. I feel like it sounds like it's masters of the. I mean, they might have thought they were doing something interesting, but it's kind of masters of the obvious. It's masters of the obvious in 2023. But all, I mean, all jokes aside, this was 1986. Yeah, it's this kind is 1986. Of, it's kind of masters of the obvious in 1986, but still, we'll give it to you. Yeah, don't give it to me. Give it to them. I don't have any part. I'm just the messenger, man. I'm just relaying information this morning. Wow, it's, it's incredible. All right. Well, let's get them a few takeaways. We'll get them over to market measures. I got to work on my high school talk for uh, for Friday. Yeah, hey, so hey, hey, hey tr- by the way, I wouldn't do this talk on Friday. No? <laughs> so I should go to the I should go with the Einstein material then. Yeah, yeah. You better stick to your jokes. <laughs> something new. Yeah, for sure. I'll stick to the B minus Einstein material. I got it. Yeah, I, wouldn't, traders... I, wouldn't, I wouldn't quiz a high school class on a bit ass <laughs> differential. Okay. I'd leave this one at home. <laughs> I'm going Einstein material and I'm, we're going gold straddles. Got it. Done. Active traders need to ensure that they can freely enter and exit positions at fair prices. And the bid ask spread is arguably the best indicator of liquidity for a given stock with the spread itself breaking down into a transitory component and an adverse selection component which is also referred to on the streets as getting picked off. You heard it here first from Dr. Wood himself. Thomas? Dr. Dr. Wood was getting picked off before y'all even, you didn't even know what was going on. Dr. Wood, he, he wasn't getting picked off. He was doing the picking off. He was picking other people off. Hey, I'm not so sure about that. I mean, y'all, y'all were on the on the receiving end of a pickoff. Dr. Wood was likely on the, the delivering end of that pickoff. Yeah, I'm not buying yeah. it. Uh, I'm just saying, man. You know, I learned from the best. Uh, Dr. Wood. Dr. Wood's still alive. <laughs> I think so. I think he's flourishing in Utah, man. I think so. Yeah, he's been <laughs> retired for however many years, but yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. All right, well, go. I'm going to take a quick 90-second break with all the best of Dr. Wood and everybody else. A little, little awkward silence to What's close the Dr. show. What's Dr. Wood's like first it? name? I'm going to look this guy up. What's his first name? Robert. Robert. Dr. Look Robert. Him up. Yeah, yeah, we're going to. Look him up. Yeah. And ask him if he would like to take Dr. Jim back. If, if, if they, <laughs> I already know the answer to that. He was policy. very... I mean, you think, Pat, you were glad to get rid of Tom. Dr. Wood was very happy to get rid of me. I can assure you of that. I can only bet. I can only bet. All right, sad enough. Let's take a quick 90-second break. We'll come back. We got more Tasty Trade with a market measure after this. This is a Tasty Live. Thank you, Doc. <laughs> no, there's only one Dr. Wood out The content of this podcast is provided solely by Tasty Trade Inc. and are not the direct views or opinions of any of its affiliate companies. This content is for informational and educational purposes only. It is not, nor is it intended to be, a research report, trading or investment advice, or a recommendation that any investment strategy, security, or futures product is suitable for any person. You are responsible for making your own investment decisions in light of your individual investment knowledge, objectives, and financial situation. Applicable supporting documentation for any claims, including claims made on behalf of options programs, 
comparison, recommendations, statistics, or other technical data will be supplied upon request. Tasty Trading is not a licensed financial advisor, registered investment advisor, or registered broker-dealer.